0: This is Because I Said So, parenting advice, with love and leadership from the nation's leading parenting expert, John Roseman, syndicated columnist, author, conference speaker, and the only psychologist to point out that psychology has caused more problems than it has solved. From American Family Radio, here's your host, John Rosemond. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, John Roseman. The show is called Because I Said So, and we're all about... Parenting, at least that is what we in America have been calling it since around 1970, when a book by a psychologist named Fitzhugh Dodson was published, the title of which was How to Parent. And uh, that, for those of you who are interested, which may not be many, but it is. To me, anyway, an interesting tidbit is how the term parent became a verb. And for those of you who may be joining the show for the first time, uh, I am a psychologist. I've authored a number of books, write a nationally syndicated newspaper column, and uh, travel the country nine months a year or so talking on parenting and family issues in churches and schools all across America. So, as a psychologist who really doesn't believe in psychology, uh, believes that the Bible is sufficient for all things, including counseling, regardless of the nature of the problem at hand, I have always been interested in theology. I am not a theologian except uh, amateurly. But I am a guy who reads scripture a lot and cross-references and goes to uh, various commentaries and concordances and so on and so forth. And I just think about this a lot. And um, so in that regard, I was uh, reading Timothy the other day, Paul's letter, uh, 2 Timothy, not to Timothy apparently. That's the way uh, some presidential candidate would mention it. And he got raked over the coals for saying, I believe, two Corinthians, when in fact, in Scripture, it is two Corinthians. It's not second Corinthians. That is the vernacular reference. And uh, so this, anyway, is two Timothy. And for those of you who are going crazy right now, you have the choice of shutting me off. But anyway... I was reading 2 Timothy, chapter 3, and uh, chapter 3 begins this way. I-, I thought this was fascinating. But understand this, and Paul is talking about the last days, the end times here. In the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, Proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control. Take a deep breath. Brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. Avoid such people. So I was thinking about that meditating on it, if you will, and I started to think, you know, people have, with one exception, always been that way. And I wondered, is there a phrase in Paul's letter to Timothy that would, more than any other phrase, indicate whether or not we are in the end times? Let me read it again. I mean, and I'm not some end times, you know, uh, hobbyist, if you will. I don't think about the end times a lot. I happen to believe that there are a lot of signs indicating that we are in the end time. But uh, I wondered if there was just one phrase out of all of those phrases that took me three deep breaths to get through that would more than any other indicate that we are, in fact, in the end times. And I came to the conclusion that the only phrase of all of those phrases that was novel as a description of people, human beings throughout history, was the phrase disobedient to their parents. Listen to it again. But understand this. With the exception of the phrase disobedient to their parents, it is my contention that that description applies to human beings, not all human beings, but it applies to significant numbers of human beings in just about every historical period, especially in Western civilization, the civilization that Abraham and Sarah created. Listen to that phrase without, or listen to that passage without the phrase disobedient to their parents, and ask yourselves, has there ever been a time in history that you know of where significant numbers of people in Western civilization could not have been described this way? Listen to it again. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Okay, I you know, the answer to my own question is, I don't think so. I don't think there's ever been a time in human history when that description did not apply to significant numbers of people. But when you throw in the phrase disobedient to their parents, that puts an entirely new spin on things because I am a student of the history of parenting in Western civilization, and it is my understanding from a lot of reading— and a lot of research, that the description of people being disobedient to their parents, children being disobedient to their parents, is novel, relatively speaking. Granted, there have always been disobedient children, but to the degree that we see disobedience in children today, I think not. And so I have to wonder, because that one description, that one part of Paul's description, that one phrase, disobedient to their parents, that phrase, among all of those phrases that constitute that description, that one phrase is unique to America primarily today and has been since the 1950s or 1960s, since post-World War II, we in America have seen an increase in the problem of children being disobedient to their parents, disrespectful of authority, rebellious, defiant, etc., etc, etc. I think that's interesting. I think it means we are in the end times. One can read the rest of that description, brutal, heartless, arrogant, proud, lovers of self, lovers of money, and go, well, I mean, that's always been the case. Hasn't it? Yes, it's always been the case. It's called sin. But disobedient to their parents? No, no, no. That has not always been the case. That has not. I have an 80-year-old friend, so he's 12 years older than I am, and he tells me that uh, when he was a child, and he's got 12 years on me, he was born before World War II, I was born after World War II that when he was a child, he did not know any other children who were disobedient to their parents. Okay, now fast forward 12 years. I knew some kids who were disobedient to their parents. I mean, two or three, maybe. But even then, these kids were not belligerently disobedient. They didn't you know, they weren't in their parents' faces, so to speak, with their disobedience. They were covert. They were underground with it. They were, uh, they were uh, clever, mischievous kids. And then along came the kids of my generation, and we began to see a significant increase in America of disobedience toward parents. And now it is rampant. It's like that one phrase disobedient to their parents is key to that entire passage of scripture. Anyway, very interesting to me. And again, I'm not a theologian, but I love to speculate and um and just kind of ponder such things. So, uh If you want to find out more about me, my ministry, my mission, you can go to johnrosemond.com. That's J-O-H-N-R-O-S-E-M-O-N-D. And uh, if you uh, are interested in any of my books, we've got a bookstore on the website, including my latest book, Grandma Was Right After All, published by Tyndale, a reputable Christian publisher. I've been married to the same woman for 48 years. We have two adult children and seven grandchildren. So on that basis alone, I can claim I know what I'm talking about. We'll be back in a few after this word from American Family Radio. So welcome back to the show. It's, be- it's called Because I Said So. I'm your host, John Roseman. We are carried exclusively on American Family Radio, and my thanks to all the good folks there, Tim Wildman and everybody else, for extending to me this marvelous opportunity of taking my message, mission, and ministry uh, out to America using uh, the airways. Um this used to be. It started off uh, as a one-hour show, and it was uh, an experiment because we weren't sure that it was going to work. Um, we were asking people to call us with questions, uh, with full disclosure up front, that when they called, they would not speak to a human being because the show was pre-recorded, and uh, so. What would happen was that people would call with questions, and uh they would, instead of talking to a real human being, they would be greeted with a voice message, and they would leave their name and phone number and a brief description of the question. And then we would call them back and schedule a time when I would call them, and uh we would... uh Uh, record their segment, their question, and my answer? Well, there were just too many variables involved, and it was nigh unto impossible to get back up with people. They would leave their phone numbers. They wouldn't answer their phone. Uh, They wouldn't have their phone with them, and then we would finally get in touch with them, and we would schedule a time, and I would call back ready to record that. Q&A segment, and I wouldn't be able to get in touch with them, which meant that I was wasting my time, which, you know, to me, it's somewhat valuable. Um, Anyway, so instead of doing a one-hour show that leaned heavily on uh, my answering questions from listeners, we went to a half-hour show, and uh, during this half-hour show, I do a combination of of commentary, and Q&A. Now, but in this case, I only take questions via email. And the way you can submit questions is to go to send your questions by email to radio at rosemond.com. And we are getting quite a few. So all you can do is just cross your fingers and uh, hope that, I don't know, that's probably very pagan uh, crossing your fingers, stuff like that. But anyway, cross your fingers, uh, and hope that I will get to your question. And by the way, there is no question that is too silly. No question that is dumb. Uh, everybody's question is legitimate. And by the way, if all you want to do is comment on something that I've said, during a show, please feel free to do that. I'm very open to feedback unless you disagree with me, Unless, yeah, in which case I'm not open at all. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so along those lines, uh, I do have a question from a listener. Uh, we are a struggling blended family. My husband has three children, ages 7, 12, and 17 from a previous marriage they would most likely still be married, in other words, the husband in question and the ex-wife, if they had been able to see eye to eye on how children should be handled. Thus, we are left, in other words, the we in question now, but the, the pronouns are a little difficult through this whole thing. I'll, I'll clarify them for you. Thus, we, in other words, the second marriage, are left trying to sort through the aftermath. Their mother's home is focused on the easiest way of parenting. Parentheses, constant electronics, showering the kids with gifts, no discipline or follow through, and wanting to be the children's friend. In other words, uh, the mom's house is doing relatively typical American parenting. We are the opposite on all fronts and have tried numerous methods and given up because of opposition from the kids. Well, what do you expect the kids to do? I mean, I'm just going to break into the question. What do you expect the kids to do? I mean, I don't like to be, you know, sarcastic here, but just exactly what are your expectations? You, you know, the, the kids have Disney World over at their mom's house. No expectations, no chores, no discipline. And uh, mom and the stepfather want to be their friend, uh, and you, on the other hand, are practicing um, traditional, biblically-based parenting, and you're getting opposition from the kids? Come on, folks, do you really think that the children are going to thank you for this? Mom, dad, thanks so much for not making life a bowl of cherries over here. No, that that's completely unrealistic. Of course, you're getting opposition from the children. But listen, you give up because of this opposition. Okay, eh, that's wrong, really wrong, but I'll come back to that. We struggle with extreme behavior problems, entitlement and disrespect. Well, of course. My husband and I are on the same page, but reluctant to implement structure- change, reluctant to enforce discipline, as the children are already just, quote, trying to get through their time with us, end quote, to get back to the good life with mom. As a parent, you want your child to love and respect you, and we worry that if we implement discipline, it may affect this when it is only followed through with on one side of the equation at mom's house every aspect of what our daily lives look and feel like are different to the children from what they feel at their mother's house we cannot endure years of this behavior and want to do what is best and what will hopefully be understood and accepted by the kids even if only in the long run we are on board we are on the same page But is it possible for this to work when the parent from the other household with a greater percentage of custody time most likely will never be on the same page with us? Okay, to answer your last question, well, it it depends on how you define the word work. Will this ever work? Uh, Will the children ever come to appreciate what you have been are trying to do for them to provide them with stability to provide them with proper instruction to train them up properly in the way they should go to be responsible people who do not expect entitlements uh who are compassionate who think of others who are respectful of their elders etc 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 will the children ever realize well Here's something that I can tell you. First of all, the caveat, I flunked fortune-telling in graduate school. I was never very good with that crystal ball. I couldn't see anything in it. But I will, uh, with some degree of hesitation, attempt to predict the future here. Um, I have heard from many, 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 many parents, That after children grow up, they come back to them, the parents, in other words, and thank them for what they were trying to accomplish when they, the now adult children, were minor children. You know, children are very short-term gratification oriented. They want what they want. They want what they see, and they want it now. And they can't see beyond the present very well at all, if at all. And so, yes, these children, these three kids, ages 7, 12, and 17, because they are short-term oriented, they don't like what you're doing because they have this dramatic contrast at their mother's house. Mom is Disney World uh, Dad and stepmom are the dark side, and uh, they are very, very demonstrative because kids are driven emotionally, and this is what Proverbs 22.15 means when it says foolishness is bound in the heart of the child. Uh, Children are driven emotionally. They are feeling-oriented creatures. You combine these two characteristics: the feeling orientation of the child and the uh, the short-term gratification orientation of the child, and you've got the type of situation that's uh, that you're currently dealing with. However, there is good likelihood that when these kids grow up, they will once. Uh, they have been purged of at least some of their emotionality and they have developed the ability to see down the road and maybe have children of their own, there is some possibility that they will realize what you were trying to do and they will come to you and say, by the way, as I did with my stepmother, uh, thank you for what you were trying to do for me when I was a child. I apologize for the fact that I had little appreciation, in fact, none, for what you were trying to do. I appreciate now from an adult perspective and ask you to forgive me. There is some distinct possibility that the kids will come back to you and say that. So my advice to you is, although it's difficult, but nobody ever promised you a rose garden. Just remember that. Stay the course. Stay the course. As Tim Allen said in one of my favorite movies, which I recommend to uh, everyone, there's no cursing, there's no sex, uh, there's no gratuitous violence. The movie is called Galaxy Quest. Never give up, never surrender. Folks, this has been another episode of Because I Said So with your host, John Roseman. Thanks for staying with us. I hope you've enjoyed listening as much as I've enjoyed doing the program. We are featured on American Family Radio every Saturday, 5 o'clock Central Time, 6 o'clock Eastern, and you can extrapolate from there depending on where you are in the United States of America. I'll be back next week. Take care.